What's up, Overcomers? Welcome to another episode of the Overcoming You podcast. I am your host, Josh Canuti. If you haven't done so already, give us a subscribe, give us a rating, give us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Follow me on Instagram, Overcoming You, the letter U, or on TikTok, Overcoming You, the letter U, and see what we're up to. My guest today is Casey Howe. He has been on the podcast before, and we got some amazing, amazing feedback from him. I love talking to this man. He's got an area of expertise and a deep knowledge in the meditation space. And if you listen to the podcast before, you'll know that meditation is a very, very big part of my life, and I don't think it gets enough attention. And so we brought him back and wanted to dive deeper into just a few topics, and I think I'm going to have him end up being a reoccurring guest just because I love his insights and I just really love talking to him. So today we discuss quite a few things, but one of the major things that I love talking to him about that on this podcast we talked about is the Buddha word dukkha, which in a simple term is just suffering. And we talk about some things that I've suffered through and and just looking at things from a different light. You know, we all go through suffering. We all go through times of where we just don't feel a certain area of our life is really going the way that we want it to go. And his insights and his feedback and his learning and his teaching really, really helped me after I left the episode or after I left the podcast with him. I had a new new outlook on life, and I think it's really, really going to help you. So listen up. He's got a lot of cool things in the works. He's got an amazing podcast coming up titled More Happiness, Less Suffering should be coming out or should be launching, I think, beginning of 2020, if not a little bit sooner. He's got an amazing book titled Becoming Water, short poems that he's written. He has over 30 years experience in the meditation space, has been in Tibetan ashrams and everything in between. Dharma teacher does meditation retreats. Uh, You can catch him on his website, caseyhow.com, C-A-Y. C-E-H-O-W-E.com or InwardNow.com and you can get his meditation journal that I've been using ever since he gave it to me and I'm really excited that he gave it to me because it's actually really helped me be consistent. So I think you're going to love what's in this podcast and hope you enjoy. So please welcome my guest, my friend, Casey Howe. I think the path and what meditation affords us is is an ability to, to drop all that for a length of time so we can get insight into an aspect of self of ourself that's not dependent upon those things mm-hmm. for self-worth or a feeling of, of self-love or, or contentment, right? That there's a place within us that's already at peace. Back by popular demand, my buddy, my friend, Casey Howe. Hey, what's happening? Not Glad to be back. Show. Thanks for coming back. For sure. So, dude, you just gave me a couple gifts, which I'm so happy to have. So I wanted you to explain it on the podcast. What do I got here? Gave me a meditation journal, which yeah. I'm super stoked about. And so tell me a little bit, bit about this. Yeah, the origin of that is, you know, I was doing a meditation teacher training, and I really want to hold people accountable, you know, these teachers in training, hold them accountable for their practice. and. One thing that's fantastic to hold yourself accountable is journaling. Like write down, you know, how your meditations went and and any insights that, that that can come out of that. But also too, 
just to quantify the practice, meditation is something that's very hard to quantify. Yeah. And when you hit a plateau or you hit a little snag in your practice and you can go back and say, oh, man, look at this. You know, I've been meditating this many days, like maybe in a row or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then also, too, some of this, this wisdom that we get is perishable. We yeah. forget, we forget our own stuff. Like, sure. you know, like, oh, I've, I reached this, this, this insight and then, man, I forgot, I forgot. And then re, you know, going back and, and, and looking at our insights uh, is very, is very valuable. Yeah. And so that was one origin of this, this meditation journal is a way to track that. So we have a time, uh, you know, a date, a, a location, um, of your practice, what style of practice were you doing? And then a couple pages of lined uh, journaling. And mm-hmm. then we have a blank page too, if you want to uh, draw something out that you realized. And then uh, the other origin of this is working oh, with cool. Dr. <clears throat> Monisha Vasa, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, we both have, um, you know, spiritual mindfulness based uh, poetry that, that has just come out. And that was the second thing that I gave you was my, yeah. my book becoming water and this book was literally written from doing just that, that meditation journal of of resting in my meditation practice and then jotting down some of the things that have risen out of that yeah. practice over the years. Um, some of those poems I literally wrote 30 years ago. No um, way. Yeah. There's, there's, That's rad. There's some of that in there that I wrote as a teenager. Whoa. Um, so are, are they all yours? These are all mine. Yeah. Oh, I like the fact that they're nice and short. They're very, I mean, some of them are. They're very pithy. Um, in fact, because I edited it, because yeah. <laughs> like, so many times you could read the whole thing in like um, 45, 50 minutes. But what the feedback that I'm getting is that it's an altar item. And as you'll, you'll see, it's from the tradition, like more of like Zen poetry and whatnot. And they're yeah. actually meditative prompts. So there's something that you could read and meditate on and, and allow them to, yeah. to sink into your awareness and, and use them to uh, kind of prompt you into a, a deeper state of awareness. Yeah. That's yeah. cool, man. Hey, I'm serious. I really appreciate that. For sure. Um, I noticed in the, go back to the journal, I think we talked about this last time. I think I already know the answer, but you have a duration. Mm-hmm. Is that just to kind of look back on it? But there's no set time, right? It's kind of whatever works, works for you. It's just whatever or is there a better amount of time to meditate? No, no you right? know, the, the, okay. the best meditation is the one that you do, <laughs> you know, really. Yeah. And, um, and, but I do think it's nice because, you know, duration of practice, this is kind of a, a subject that comes up a lot, like how long should I meditate? And, yeah. and to see what insights can come from a few minute meditation or that come from a long meditation, that's kind of neat to see. Mm-hmm. For me, it's all about consistency. If you do a minute mm-hmm. a day, man, that's rocking. You know, yeah. do it one literally one breath, one minute. That's awesome. And then also too, when you do the the longer meditations, it's kind of like a controlled fire, mm-hmm. you know, because we're looking into ourselves and and in the process of these longer meditations, more things can arise. Yeah. But you're meeting it from a place that you're prepared for, and 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 so we come there with our tools, with tools of compassion, tools of non-judgment, a uh, tool of, of, of awareness itself. And so you could see like, oh, maybe I meditated for 45 minutes or an hour that day, and this is the quality of, of the practice that arose 
you know, during that time. Yeah. So it's a good way to track and, and to learn and about our practices, kind of like analytics, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like from sure. like a web um, a situation where you're, you're testing out like this is the type of meditation that I did. This is how long I did it. And these are what insights came from that. Right. And then as we look back, we can kind of see some yeah. strengths and weaknesses um, that are the fruit of, of those practices. Yeah, it's funny. I'll, I'll tell you, um, I feel like meditation is very similar to like lifting weights. You know, you start off with one pound, five pound, and then as you do it more, you can increase that. And it's interesting because this comes at a really good time because I just kind of fell off of my practice because I think last time that you and I talked and last time you were on the podcast, I was extremely diligent. I think I got to, not that I was counting, but I was counting, but it was like 250 something odd days, but that's just because I was, I had to change. I had to make that change in my mental state or else, you know, things would go bad. And then it went from, and I got up to 45 minutes an hour Mm-hmm. And then kind of fell off, not, I fell off, not, not doing it, but just, I went, oh, I'm in a hurry real quick. Let me do a five minute one. Mm-hmm. And then five minute just became 10 minutes. Then I just realized that, um, the Calm app, you know, which is a great, like, um, additive tool, but it was just doing the little 10 minute one, 10 minute one. And it kind of got redundant and I didn't kind of increase the weight, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that before when I was really in tune to it every day, nonstop bursting period in the story really do kind of expand a little bit in that that meditation muscle Mm -hmm. and you kind of get deeper faster and can kind of stay there longer and have that observer mind at least that that's kind of what happened to me um and on a second note i love the title but it does make me think of that um bruce lee quote Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, be be, like water yeah be like water yeah (laughs) yeah becoming water um yeah, I've gotten that before. You know, that's the 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 story behind the the title of of the book Becoming Water is that it, it's I'll kind of paraphrase the first poem. Yeah. And uh I mean I mentioned this last time on the podcast, but uh, yeah, it's kind of the premise of of really the practice in that if I throw a lit match at you and you're combustible, uh you know what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, you're going to light on fire or explode or something like that. Yeah. And then if I throw a lit match at you and your water, what happens? You know, it just goes out, you know, yeah. goes out, right? So the the practice itself, the meditation, you know, practice the path, if you will, it's, you know, we're not stopping life. Life's going to throw, uh, you know, torches and, you know, flames and, and all this stuff. We can't, we can't help that. Yeah. But our reaction to that, are we going to be combustible, right? Are we going to allow that to set us ablaze? You know, mm-hmm. or are we going to meet it with with water yeah. and, and allow it to arise, maybe experience it, and then watch it as it automatically passes? Because unless we're holding on to things, that's what they automatically do. Yeah, is they only know how to fade away. Yeah, I um, I don't want to rehash the same thing we talked about last time, but that that was the one of the biggest benefits that I personally received from meditation is that for me. And I think for everybody, but for me, my thoughts were just out of control. And with meditation, it allowed me to get into that rhythm of observing those thoughts. And so when that torch or that match came at me in the middle of the day when I wasn't meditating and I went, 
oh, I really fucked up, or oh my God, I really me- messed up. I was like, okay, stop. I would recognize that thought, which is the first time it's ever happened in my 37 years. I would recognize the thought, and then I'd be able to go, okay, it's not that big of a deal. Let me pragmatically diffuse the situation or figure out what's go- what's going on. Okay, my car broke down. You know, okay, it's not that big of a deal. Just go get it fixed. It'll take a couple hours. But that was the biggest thing, to be able to observe the thoughts for me, and then be able to like do whatever I need to do or my practice into kind of stopping that, um, yeah. that thing. So yeah, absolutely. Really cool. I'm really excited for the things that, uh, we chatted a little bit via text on some things to go about, uh, talking about today. And I'm actually really excited because I had to look up the word and figure out what I mean, but I think it's, it definitely resonates with me and mm. I would like to dive uh, kind of deep into that. Mm. And that is, and please forgive me if I mispronounce the word, but, um, the Buddha word dukkha. Mm-hmm. Dukkha. Yeah. And so explain. It's a beautiful word. Yeah. It's a lovely, gorgeous, blissful word. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the definition um, is such where you kind of maybe can cringe at the beginning of it. But well, one of the definitions is the basic unsatisfactory nature of all, all external existence, um, which, again, doesn't sound like mm-hmm. happy, happy, joy, joy. Yeah. Right? Suffering. Suffering. Yeah. And... Um, you know that one of the the texts, when the traditional text, it it, it uh, describes dukkha as kind of an axle, like on a carriage or something that's that's out of round. You know, so it's like the actual axle and the axle hole, like with the wheel, it's mm-hmm. out of round. And this is uh, how our life is. Like I said, nothing's nothing's perfect. It's kind of like a shopping cart with one messed up wheel. Yeah, you know, it's wobbly. just like something's always not exactly right. Yeah. And so the short definition could be unsatisfactoriness, mm-hmm. like things are just un- unsatisfactory. So in, the, in other words, there's no reliable and sustainable source uh, for contentment and happiness. Um, the realization of this could really open open us up to being in line with reality. And, and this is something that's just real. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not a belief system or anything like that. Like, yeah, I think Buddha... All he did was hang out with truth. He's just like, that's it. If you look, there's nothing other than what's real. Mm-hmm. And so this notion of, hey, there's suffering. It's not, you know, there's suffering. Suffering exists. And really, suffering doesn't exist. It's our attachment yes. to this idea that it should be perfect, right? And my favorite translation, mm-hmm. actually, of dukkha is not unsatisfactoriness. It's imperfectness. And, and the reason why is that in a weird way, all the time, we're looking for a perfect something. Mm-hmm. Like we leave the house and we want our commute to be perfect. And it's perfect relative, right? Like, I, you know, we live in Southern California and I know that traffic's going to suck, but I want it to suck how I usually see it sucking. Right. Right. Like the perfect commute is like 35 minutes yeah. to where, where I'm going. Right. And so, you know, I want that to be as I expect it to be. And then, and then if it's not, it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, this, whatever, whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, cause it's imperfect. Yeah. Right. Because I know, I know that this can happen. Um, same thing with our relationships. You know, we want, we want it to be a hundred percent. Well, there's no perfect partner, mm-hmm. you know? So if we start looking at like, we had to put another number on like 70, 80%, if something's 70 to 80% right, then it's a hundred percent right. Because nothing's completely right yeah. nothing's completely you know perfect i i do say one caveat there is that 
unless that 20% of that something is the reason why you're doing it. You know, uh, let's what, put what it, let's put it in a career. Uh, everything about your job is perfect, except you get paid 20,000 bucks a year and you're not going to be able to survive on that. Yeah. So you might need to look at something else. Oh, got it. Got <laughs> right. It, got it. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, it's the 20% that you're really there for. Let's say the money is one major yeah. aspect, but it's not there or the opposite, you know? Yeah. But, um, so what I'm hearing is, you know, we have these pictures or these, we have these identities, you know, we I, identify with that commute to work 35 minutes and when it doesn't hit our thought process then we have this suffering or oh my god my day's off or you know i have this identity of the individual that i should be or i feel i should be in my mind and when it's not at that point then we have this this suffering so how do you get out of that and then the other thing that i wanted to ask about is that suffering as far as like how do you how do you get down to the root of the problem to where there is no more suffering about a certain thing. And I'll give, give you an example. I'll just be a little open. So when I was researching Duca and on the limited knowledge that I had, you know, one of the things that I read is like when you're suffering about something, if the mere picture or word or name, when you say it or hear it still, you know, you swallow or, or you start to get feelings and the exact same thing happened with, with my my mom so my mom she left me at a liquor store when i was eight years old but mm -hmm. still when i talk about it still bums me out with the feeling of of like i'm not enough or why would you like how can you just leave a child like how how does that happen but it's been i'm 37 years old i mean mm -hmm. that's 29 years ago mm -hmm. you know <clears throat> and i've done some therapy and i try to work through that but there's still some suffering in there because even as i sit here right now talking to you mm -hmm. there's a tear that i'm trying to hide behind or i'm trying to pull back because of that and i can't mm -hmm. figure out how to stop that suffering how to get down to the root and pull it out or does that mm -hmm. ever is that even a possibility well that the suffering is actually is the aversion to the suffering S say that yeah, again. so in other words it's it's saying that and it shouldn't be like this. That's the suffering part. So in other words, mm. sorrow from feeling abandoned, natural, right? Yeah. So in other words, it, you know, this, this, this idea that, you know, after all this time, I quote unquote should be over it, yeah. right? So this is just adding on to what's real. So what's real is okay. Like you're okay. Like it's okay. The, it's okay to feel like this after this much time. And so when you really meet it with a full acceptance that, that I'm okay. So recognition is not mindfulness, right? Because mind, because recognition could have in it, this aversion mm -hmm. it's, it's through different filters. So people get confused sometimes I'm recognizing it, you know, sadness, sadness arising or fear arising, mm -hmm. but it's actually accepting. Like, even if I spend the rest of my life with sorrow, I'm okay. Because it's true, you are okay. Sorrow is arising within you, right? You're not your sorrow. It's yeah. okay, right? It's part of the human condition, sadness and whatnot. And more importantly, being with it as it is, mm -hmm. you're not enhancing it in any way. So, um, and and even this could be almost subconscious of like that, you know, with this aversion, like, 
I'm I'm unworthy or it's I shouldn't be feeling the sadness or or it could be ideas of like she shouldn't have done it or why yeah. did she do it and, and all this stuff that's all in enhancement and then we're losing the opportunity to be with the authentic experience of this emotion is like this and I could be with it mm. you know this this thought process is like this and I could be with that yeah and it's okay and so now we're now we're with it instead of our story about it now we're really authentically with it. Yeah. So we're not fighting it because if we're fighting it, then there's something in the way of us and it. It's interesting because I do feel that I shouldn't feel like this. Yeah. But it's okay to feel like this regardless, even if I'm 47 or 57 about that issue or about that person. Yeah. Because in that moment, it's real. Yeah. So you're saying... This emotion, and again, even that this emotion comes from, it could be that thought of it, but in reality, we don't know if that emotion's ancient. It could be an ancient emotion triggered by this, you know, human thing right here. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't know. I'm not saying it is ancient or nothing. I'm saying it's here. That's what I know. I I know an emotion is arising, you know, and that's it. Yeah. And I also know with this emotion, there's thought arising about being left. Hello, thank you for coming. I'm seeing this. And I'm seeing this abide. And I'm seeing this leave. And I'm seeing this emotion shift. I'm seeing it, you know, in the tightness of my throat. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling it in my eyes. I'm feeling a pit in my stomach. And that's shifting and that's moving, you know, and I'm being with that. And then it shifts and changes, right? And so we're just being with reality step by step, just as it is. The aversion to it, as long as there's an a there's an attachment and aversion. There's, there's, explain what do you? I I, I know yeah service level, but it, it, explain that. So that the Buddha point. said, like, in, as long as we have attachment and aversion, then th- there's the liberation cannot happen. And so what we mean by that is attachment for good things to stay. Like, mm-hmm. I want you to stay. I'm like, I'm grabbing you good, pleasant, you know, grasping for the pleasant and aversion to the unpleasant. Okay. Right. So aversion, like something is arising within you, like you're just saying, and I don't want it to be here. Yeah. Right. So as, as long as we have that attachment and aversion, then there's no freedom. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it sounds like a, just a lot of trying to control everything. Like... I'm trying to control or push down that feeling or to go away. Or when I have a good feeling, I want that to happen all the time. It feels like I seems like a sense of control that we, we have that we want to that have. We want. And, and again, there's, there's no control. Yeah. It just is. So, you know, we're trying to find uh, certainty, you know, in the uncertain, you know, we want to find certainty in that, like, if we can keep that at bay, we're going to feel okay, mm-hmm. right? Like, you, you stay away. And if we can have this, you know, th- this stay, then I'm going to feel okay. This go, I'm going to, you know, mm-hmm. this and that. Instead of, if this comes or goes, I'm okay. That's a huge difference, Yeah. right? Uh, because even if that went away, is that to say there's no more unpleasant that's ever going to arise? Is that to say no Person. more loss? is ever going to happen. You know, Buddha called the old age sickness and death the three heavenly messengers. I love that because that was his motivation to practice. But he called it like good things, like 
because he noticed that old age, sickness, yeah. and death, and his whole thing wasn't exactly, I don't know, whatever our view of enlightenment is. It was that, can I be with reality and be okay? Can I, can I bear witness <clears throat> to old age and be okay? Can I, can I be with sickness yeah. and be okay? Can, can I meet death? Without fear, he's I, he's. I think it's my right, you know, as mm-hmm. as a sentient being, to be with reality, just reality, just as it is. Can I be yeah. with the reality of loss, right? Can I be with the reality of sadness? It's reality. I should be able to be with that, with a sense of okayness. It's human. Yeah, we all experience. There's not a human in the world that hasn't experienced fear and sadness, and jealousy, and envy, yeah. and all these things. Is that, you think, especially in the Western world, you know, we are just so motivated by material things, and I love material things, and I enjoy them, but there's always that, maybe maybe more so in the ecosystem that we live here in Southern California, but I think definitely across the United States, there's all this go, 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 and to be it seems like such a difficult thing to get to where yes motivation and hunger and drive is okay but then within that there's also a feeling of i'm not where i want to be yet and that feeling sucks but when you think about it when i sit here and talk to you it's like oh well that's okay not to be there it's okay because that's just reality but it's so freaking difficult to get to that point to be, I'm just okay with where, where I am right now, but I'm also not where I want to be right now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that is, I think, a, I just don't know, that's a very difficult point to get to, you know, because everyone's striving for something, whether in some place, and to be okay with where you're at, but still have that hunger and drive to go forward, it seems just like this, these two opposite forces fighting. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't know how to get to that. And for me, I've gone through seasons of it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is just, I have to be okay with the ups and downs of it. So where sometimes I go, you know what? I am not where I want to be, but I'm totally happy. I'm mm-hmm. totally okay. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that'll go for, for a while. And then I'll dip and then be like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. I need to get my shit together. Like I should be so much further along in this area of mind, body, and soul, whatever, mm-hmm. finance, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you go through these ups and downs, and I just don't know how to keep that steady. Mm-hmm. How to? Any advice on how to keep that? Steady? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, good luck. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's more about not not where we are in in my opinion, uh, where we are in you know, like you mentioned, like where I'm in this area of my life, either career, relationships, you know, um, you know, finances, health, what, whatnot. It's not where we are to me. It's our relationship to knowing what we are, like, like who we are, what we are in yeah. at our essence in that there's things outside of ourselves and, and our egoic, you know, relative um, self that where we, we have created this, this entity you know with a name and a gender and an age and yeah. and finances and we you know what what not career labels label labels and then there's a part of us that we find in meditation that we're we're okay now and 
and you know part of it's that wisdom that on a relative reality egoic way there there's no end mm-hmm. and that's that is totally fabricated of where quote unquote you should be you know compared to like yeah. a developing country or whatnot we're gazillionaires right. you know it's all relative you know and same thing with health like what's health i mean somebody who's had you know major surgeries or major health issues like somebody who's just you know even or with a minor problem right that's relative mm-hmm. I think the path and what meditation affords us is is an ability to to drop all that for a length of time, so we can get insight into an aspect of self of ourself that's not dependent upon those things mm-hmm. for self worth, or a feeling of of self love or or contentment. Right, that there's a place within us that's already at peace. Mm-hmm. It's already there's nothing like if we go into a meditation retreat, you know. When I lead meditation retreats, I go in meditation retreats myself. We're doing nothing, nothing, literally nothing. It's a great, the great non-doing, mm-hmm. right? And, and you're you're not following thoughts, you're not writing books, you're not you know in your in your head nothing. And at the end, you're you're finding and again massive challenges along the way. Yeah, and there's a sense of peace. So what's like a typical day when you do the retreats or you take? the people out for meditation retreat. What's like a typical day look like? A typical day would be, you know, the first session, maybe 6.30 um, a.m., uh, do a sit, um, you know, maybe half an hour, 45 minutes, sit, sitting meditation. Guided? Then, probably that that one in the morning is probably not guided. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just sitting. And then uh, do yo- some yoga and then go to uh, do mindful eating. So this is all done in silence. And no talking? No talking. No talking, no writing, no reading. Really? Yeah, just... Do they, before they come, do they kind of sign a, a waiver saying, hey, I'm going to do all this? Or is it just kind of whatever? It's kind of like the first day, like setting that up. And most people know going into yeah. it, you know. How long do um, they not talk for? How long is the retreat? How many days? Well, it just, it just depends. Oh. So the one I'm doing, like, I'll do one in January that I do through Mindful Way. Wonderful teachers. I'm just so honored to teach with them. They're incredible. Uh, so that one will be a six-day, five-night so no talking uh, for six days, five nights. Yeah, no talking. It's wonderful. Yeah, no, no yeah. talking, no reading, no writing, and and custody of the eyes too. Meaning, yeah. um, we're not really making eye contact, not really looking at anybody. But something romantic about that, about doing that. There's something. It's self romantic because yeah. we get to go being self. Yeah. We're self-contained and really working on our own stuff. And, you know, you don't need to be Josh and you know you do this and you do that and comparing mind and this guy. Try to you get know, people to like you, and you're nothing. doing the same joke that you always do right? in the first opening. Yeah, none of that. It's so cool, and what's oh, so there's neat is no... nothing. And then, and you're sitting That's with you know sixty, eighty people, and you're sitting right next to them, and and there's a ton of support there, a silent support. You know, you're sitting. So you know, to go back to that schedule, do mindful eating breakfast, mm-hmm. right? And then we'll go about, you know, three or four hours of practice between sitting and walking meditation, just back and forth, very, very lightly guided. Okay. You're basically just in your deal, sitting for half an hour, 45 minutes, and then walking for, you know, half an hour or so, and then and then go to lunch yeah. and do the same thing for a few hours. And then at night, we have a Dharma talk. So that'll be the, the quote-unquote highlight will be your entertainment of a really 
dry. <laughs> no, hopefully a wisdom-filled, you know, little Dharma talk, but actually that is looked at as the same. Yeah. There's just phenomena arising. You know, sound is arising. Sound is drifting away. Just like as you're sitting there, your breath is arising, falling away. Yeah. Body sensation arising, falling away. But you get Netflix and stuff in your room, right? No? <laughs> yeah, no, what's, no um, So what's usually the ebb and flows of someone going through through that? So if I start day one, like what can I usually kind of go through or, or what could I usually kind of expect? I know you can't really say that. I get I get it what we're talking about, but like what's the um, kind of ebb and flow? Everyone's yeah, everyone's completely different, yeah. and I, and I think that the, the main thing. Or what that, could let me phrase this? What could arise in some people's mind? Because I can feel like some. I think obviously for me, I think that might be difficult. But like I said, it's very, it's very romantic because I've had this pie in the sky type of thought where I would love to just like go to a Tibetan ashram or something for a week or a month, you know, if I had the ability and just kind of shave my head walk around in a robe and kind of get rid of all all that type of stuff so there's something mm -hmm. very romantic about about it so i don't mean to make light of it mm -hmm. <clears throat> but i can only imagine that people go through different things internally what are some of the things that you've seen or heard yeah i, I think what, one thing i just want to say big picture is that um this is what the practice looks like you know like if you're if somebody says i'm a i'm a i'm a ski instructor you're like that dude skis Right. Yeah. You know, like he goes on the mountain and he skis, uh, that, that guy's a tennis pro and you're like, well, that guy goes and plays tennis. Um, you know, in the framework of, of meditation, like this is doing the work, you know? So if you're in the meditation, if you're interested in meditation, you're reading books on meditation and you can meditate for 20 minutes, an hour a day, but wouldn't it be cool mm -hmm. if there's no external like need for you to do, check anything off your to-do list that day and whatnot. Yeah. And you could use those practices that you've been doing of watching things arise and watching things fall for 20 minutes a day and then informally throughout your day, you mm -hmm. know, paying attention to the present moment and all that. What if you had a perfect environment set up for that container that yeah. you could do that all day for five, six days? It's really cool. Yeah. Probably really powerful, too. It's, it's really powerful because you're really yeah. sitting with your, yourself, for yeah. the for the first time maybe right we really don't get to do that and so what comes up is anything and everything now mind you there's only three things that can come up mm. because there's only three categories of inner experience and that's thoughts emotions and body sensations mm. so okay. that that's what's going to come up and they're going to come up in varying degrees of of um, sensitivity right yeah and yet you're meeting them skillfully right so you're meeting them with the, the the tool of non-judgment, the tool of, of compassion, and the the support of the Sangha, which is your spiritual community around you, right? Mm -hmm. So the container is set up in such a way where, um, you know, you're not just going in there alone. You're going in there with, with tools inside yourself, you know? Sure. Yeah. And so, um, so, yeah, anything can come up, but agitation, uh, fear, joy, um, Hopefully not bliss, because that leads to a lot of attachment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hopefully you don't have really good meditations, because then you, yeah, you're then you set the bar, you know, right. really high. But um, um, but mostly what comes up is I would say a kinship with the inner resource tools that we all have inside of us yeah. that we don't 
usually utilize. We don't usually access. Yeah. And we're becoming familiar with this inner resilience that is absolutely incredible mm-hmm. that we never know that we never knew, you know, that we had. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was thinking the other day, um, in this sound sounds like an old fogey type of thought process, but I think there's some validity to it. Hence the meditation is that, you know, nowadays you are never, if you want to be, you are never, ever, ever bored. Meaning if you stand in line at the DMV, no one's standing. Everyone's like, ah, whatever. I'll just go on my phone. You're never bored. You never sit there and think, you know, if the cable goes out, you still have your phone. You're still connected, you know, or still have the iPad. You never are just, you never have downtime. I mean, you go to the bathroom and people go pull their pants back up, go get their phone and then go back to the bathroom because they can't sit there and do their business for X number of minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and I think there's, you have to turn you have to turn the engine off or you have to settle, settle that down at least at some point, like just from a pure biological, like standpoints, you can't keep going, 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 like you've got to do something. And I think that's where meditation comes in, or at least meditation comes in for me is like, you allow yourself just to think for, for a little bit, you know, at least for a moment of time or 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Whereas, the people that don't meditate, they don't get that luxury because I feel like they're just mm-hmm. go, 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 nonstop, mm-hmm. you know, something or another. They're always stimulated yeah. by outside outside forces. Mm-hmm. If you're always stimulated by anything 100% of the time, there's going to be a effect, positive, negative, whatever. There's going to be some sort of effect. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where meditation comes in. It's really, really valuable. So, And, yeah, going, and going back to Dukkha is that is that the, that stimulus that you're talking about, that bombardment of continuous stimulus, we could just check real quick, has that done it? In other words, is that leading to more and more happiness? Yeah. Right? So let's say you get that cup of coffee. It's really good. What do you want the next day? Another cup of coffee. Right. So if you get 10 coffees, are you are you 10 times happier? Mm-hmm. Right? Like. Like, in other words, is it doing it? Like, we're looking at craving mind, going back to that attachment, right? Yeah. That craving mind that Buddha was talking about. Like, as long as there's that insatiable desire for more, like, I need to go out and get that. But then once I get it, what what now? Right. Like, is it is it working or isn't it? Yeah. So we could check. Like, anyone who comes to the, the retreat is saying, hey, you know, I'm 40-something, I'm 20-something, I'm whatever. And the relationships, you know, if it's like I call it the rock star syndrome, mm-hmm. right? Like if you have all the money, all the sex, you know, all the hot whatever, Hell you yeah. know. And, <laughs> yeah, and you have, you have, you're doing what you love, right. you know, and, and all this stuff. Are they, have, has anyone, any rock star written a book and said, this is exactly it. I've reached the pinnacle of right. human potential uh, and everything, right? Yeah. It's usually like I'm old. You know, we used to have MTV rockumentaries. Yeah. It was a train wreck, man. Yeah. Every single time you turn that thing on and it was like an absolute train wreck. They had everything. Yeah. Which we all want. And like Jim Carrey's big on this. Like I wish everyone could be rich and famous. And then they realize that's not not what it's about, right? Well, what is it about? Like, you know, Ergen Rinpoche would say the difference between samsara, like this relative reality where we want stuff, and nirvana, which we're free from wanting, like non-seeking mind. Mm -hmm. The difference between the two is the, the direction that you're looking. If you're looking outside of yourself, 
Dukkha, mm-hmm. basic unsatisfactory nature of all external existence. External being the key word. Yeah. If you're looking outside of yourself, everything outside is unreliable because it's impermanent. We're literally grabbing onto things that are slipping through our fingers, right? It's yeah. changing, it's interdependent, and permanent, right? Looking inside, then if we're looking into awareness and self, like with a capital S, mm-hmm. we're looking, we're finding something that is sustainable and is reliable. It's actually us. It's actually you. Yeah. The real you, not the fabricated, not the one that gets wrinkles, not the one that loses things and gains things, but the innate, naturally arising awareness of beingness. Yeah. Yeah, the real self. Right. We can get in tune with that stability of that. Yeah. The ground of that. It sounds like it's very similar to love with a significant other. Meaning like true true love, you know, the let's just take the quintessential picture perfect, eighty year old, they're still, you know, play grab ass as they go, you still see that little spark and fire. You know, all the external stuff has all gone away. You know, the the looks, the you know, maybe they lost all their money or whatever, but that it's the inside that you mm-hmm. hold on to. Mm-hmm. It's not the external external things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. and 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 it's the ability like, um, but it's even better because even even in that situation, if they they lost that loved one, <clears throat> to notice that they you feel love, even as a, if it's oh, I'm in love with this partner, the love is within you. It's within you. It could be triggered by that. Mm-hmm. The love is felt actually inside, right? Uh, and and this this stability is without external situations that I could find something within myself that it's already there, right? So even if I lose a a loved one, mm-hmm. and and again no aversion to the suffering that that's going to cause the, the sorrow I should say, you know. Yeah. yeah. What about the dichotomy of you know because everyone has love in them, but a lot of times people feel like there's a emptiness inside. Where do you think that emptiness comes from? Where do you think that's like derived from? Is that just looking at it from the wrong vantage point, or I don't I don't know because I felt that before where mm-hmm. you know someone has said they love me but I just like just kind of empty inside like mm-hmm. just going through the motions it was just like a fake facade mm-hmm. uh, type of stuff but there's but now with my wife now. Um, here comes a, a good tear uh, yeah. that, that I hold back is, you know, she's just simply the best human being on the face of the planet. And, you know, I just, I used to think that that whole, uh, like, oh, you can't live without somebody. Yeah, I understand I can live without somebody, but I don't ever want to. Right, right. You know, and I don't feel empty inside when I'm with her. Yeah. I feel very loved. Yeah, yeah. It was like weird difference and i don't know if someone's feeling empty i don't know how they get to that feeling of love yeah that makes sense yeah and well and i think that it's you know all of those all those emotions a whole spectrum of emotions right Uh, if, if we really look there's even within a relationship it's not this one thing like oh you have this relationship and it's exactly like this all the time it's it's not like moment to moment it's shifting and it's changing, 
Yeah. So you have this emotion, and overall, you could you could label like this is a positive, you know, relationship. Yeah. And it, but what you're actually feeling is different in in each moment. Like, because you're going, you're sitting in traffic, and you're you're gonna have disappointment in your life, and she's gonna be in your life, but it's not like she's like this radiating, um, permanent love bubble she is pretty hot you know <laughs> until she's not yeah. you know and then there's shifting and changing and people fall in love and fall out of love all the time and and get divorced and all this stuff um which is neither here nor there it's just it's just recognizing the pleasant and unpleasant so this is part of the practice of what we call vedna like this feeling is pleasant and yet it comes and goes and mm. this feeling is unpleasant and it and it comes and goes and to recognize that, you know, she's, she's shifting and changing all the time, which is neither here nor there. And you're shifting and you're changing. Mm-hmm. And right now you're harmonious, you know, which is awesome. Yeah. And this is what harmony feels like. And this is what being filled up feels like. Is is emptiness never going to come again? You know, problem there. Maybe I don't know. In this lifetime, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But we there's there's not certainty in a feeling of fullness all the time and yet if we could be mindful and aware of that the knower of fullness and the knower of emptiness is neither yeah and this is you know it's a little bit more deep but this is what we're getting to in in the practices and we're marinating in what is the knower of that of either of those so the knower of sadness is not sad you know the knower of bliss and joy and whatnot you know it's it's not that it's recognizing it you because we say things like my emotion you know my thoughts right yeah i think that is it's something that i didn't i haven't thought about it in this way until literally right now is that i think that's a really really big not that we're here to give relationship advice but i think that's a really big relationship key is that you know, if you're going through struggle, yes, you're going through struggle. It is what it is, and it will pass, which sounds simplistic, and we've heard that before, but to get into a practice and recognize that, and then when it's blissful, go, okay, this is awesome, this is amazing, let's let's open the big sale, let's, let's have it all, but realize that it is what it is, and this too shall pass, or this too may pass, and to be aware of both, I think that will, at least for me, when I'm thinking through this just um, right now, is that that's going to eliminate the peaks and valleys that you'll have. You know, when you are in a valley and you'll go, okay, yeah, I'm in a valley, but you're not going to go so deep because every what goes up must come down. So when it's really, really blissful, be careful. If you get getting too high, don't not be joyful don't not go all out don't not all do that just realize that it's not going to last forever it is what it is and then come back down i wish i would have known that like six months ago (laughs) (laughs) where were you six months ago you could have told jeanette and i what was coming yeah it was cool i was uh, teaching with a a dear friend of mine and longtime practitioner and she's in a new relationship and she's like it's awesome you know and she was telling you know the group we're teaching and um She's like, new relationship, totally awesome, everything's beautiful, and might not last. Mm. And enjoying it. It's 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 you know, it's just real, you know. And I yeah. think that 
you know, part of the pro- uh, process or practice is uh, being with, you know, so more of the concentration, what we call shamatha practices is, is being, being with, you know, trying to hold the, the mind is a, is a tool in meditation to become stable so we could focus it on something. And then the vipassana means insight, and that's the insights that we gain. And it's the insights into the true nature of reality. And we recognize through sitting and watching very, very delicately and very specifically watching what, what's actually happening. We notice things come and go. And this is very, very, very foundational in our reality. And it, oddly, it's one we love to forget, mm-hmm. you know, because it's so foundational. Like everything is shifting and changing. And, and we look at that in relationships. It's like, wow, you know, I'm shifting, changing, she's shifting, changing. And our relationship can shift and change and emotion can shift and change. And we become very resilient when we're walking with reality. But yeah. if the if the river if the river of impermanence is flowing and you're standing in the middle of the current kind of pushing back <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really work out. But if you if you you know turn around, put your legs up, and flow down the river, yeah, it's all good. Come very resilient when you're walking with reality. There's I love no that. other resilience. Yeah, yeah. And and this the practice is being with what is as it is, and it's it's okay because right? it is. Yeah, you know it's interesting. There's that's the biggest stress is that this is how things are, but this is how I want it to be. That's the dissonance, mm-hmm. you know. That's that's the conflict. Yeah. Well, switching gears a little bit, you have coming out soon or in the works a podcast. So how's it? We chatted a little bit before, but so what podcast you got coming out, and what's kind of the nature of it? Yeah, it's um, called More Happiness, Less Suffering. It's kind of all what we're looking for, right? Yes, and I'm I love doing the title. It. Yeah, thank you. And we're doing it uh, myself and Dr. Monisha Vasa, and she's a local psychiatrist here in Orange County. And it's uh, kind of a, a Q&A on, on um, aspects of life. Like we just did one on self-acceptance. You know, so uh, listeners write in mm-hmm. and say, you know, how could I you know, accept my you know, aging? You know, yeah. it's, it's what we just tackled this week, you know, for example, like self-acceptance with body um, changing changes and, and whatnot. Yeah. And so it's really fun. She's a brilliant, um, author and poet. So she just wrote her book, solve, uh, solve, sorry. And, um, and it's from this perspective of what would a psychiatrist, you know, a Western, you know, trained, um, psychiatrist, although she's a very spiritual being in her own mm-hmm. right. And then from my perspective of, you know, decades of meditation and practice and more of the Eastern approach, um, how would I come with it in more of a, of a Buddhist way? Mm-hmm. And so it's a mixture of those two. So. Psychiatrists ever go to a psychiatrist? I think the good ones always have some kind of therapist, I think, in, in that world. And again, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a clinician. Yeah. And although I do work in mental health quite a bit, um, <clears throat> is that, yeah, I think psychiatrists are, you know, therapists. Yeah. I feel like it's uh, yeah. a magician going, let me phrase that. I'm, I've been to th- therapists. I love um, psychiatric, so I don't say this analogy um, in de- any demeaning factor in any way, shape, or form. But I feel like it's a magician going to a magician, kind of like mm. I see what you're doing there, or mm, mm. I, I see, I see. Yeah, I know, I know that that technique. Mm. You know, 
it'd be hard yeah. for, for me to turn my my brain off yeah i don't i don't see it like that just because <clears throat> and, and again this is a, this is my experience in that uh, you know i have dharma teachers you know I, I i see my dharma teachers uh as much as i possibly can you know one-on-ones and and whatnot because i think it's hard to see our own neurosis <laughs> and and That's i think when point. we when we think that we're we're good you know we're fine yeah. i got it you know i think probably we need it the most yeah <laughs> you know so yeah. I, I always feel like uh, it's really good to have somebody else's eyes you know and ears and and whatnot nice. um, and what's her name and what's her book again her name's Dr. Monisha Vasa, and it's Salve, S-A-L-V-E. Get that on Amazon. Yeah, you can get that on okay. Amazon. It's a beautiful mindfulness-based um, poetry book, and uh, yeah, it's wonderful. Nice. And you're thinking, I know the date's soon, but have the date of the launch of the podcast, you think the beginning of the 2020? Yeah, I would say uh, January 2020 um, at the latest. Uh, we'll have that out. Um, yeah, okay. yeah. More happiness, less suffering. Uh, podcast and where can everybody get um first oh i want to ask where can people two things one where do they write in for the podcast like the questions because i'm going to write in some questions oh cool um, so yeah, where, yeah. where do you send that to or how if i wanted to write you in a question how would i do that yeah i think you could find both of our books uh the meditation journal and and a link to the podcast uh, will all be on inward now and inward Going inward is I N W O R D now N O W. So um, it's it's combining you know the yeah. writing aspect, reflective writing, and meditation. Uh, that's kind of what we're all about. Yeah, and um, and you'll find all of that there. Yeah, cool. And what's your? Um, I'm so excited for this meditation. It's so funny what the universe or whatever you believe in puts in. Is that I just signed up for. Um, the have you ever heard of the Tough Mudder? Mm-hmm. Those those races. So I just yeah, did yeah. one the other couple weeks ago, and uh, Jeanette, my wife, was looking out. And was like, "Oh, um, do you want to do the toughest mudder?" Mm-hmm. I go, "What? When is it?" And she goes, "Oh, it's actually April fourth, which is the day before your your birthday." I'm like, "Oh, that's kind of a cool way to celebrate a birthday." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "What is it?" And she goes, "Oh, it's just a five mile with twenty obstacles." I was like, "Oh, okay, like." It's kind of we just did a 5k with 13 ounce goals. What's the big deal? And she goes, Oh, but it's actually how many rotations or how many laps you could do in 12 hours from 7 p.m. to 7 wow. a.m. Wow. So, a buddy from um, actually owns the gym that I go to, so we're going to go ahead and do it. But I wanted to put in because I learned this from I'll be very, very honest. I did, if I didn't have a meditation practice going into the marathon, mm-hmm. I did, I don't think I could have could have done it because there is a I feel that meditation gives me a mental strength mm-hmm. and in also I've told the pod, this story on the podcast before, but during that uh, race on, you know, 26.2 miles on mile nine, I tore my meniscus and my patella popped out of socket 1.5 mm. centimeters. Mm. And so I had to run the last 17 miles on wow. one leg. And so that's just nothing but sheer mental will, which I'm very proud of. Yeah. I want to make sure everyone, each time I say that, I don't say that to boast. I say it because it's one of the few things I'm really proud of myself for. Yeah. And so it's really, really, I'm being very honest and very yeah. um, sincere. It's like an all internal thing. It's something I'm so proud of myself for doing, even though it's right. a physical thing. But uh, so sign up for that that Toughest Mudder, April 4th, going into um, 
a- April 5th, which is kind of a cool way to celebrate bringing my birthday. But going through is that starting um, this month is that I'm doing, I'm going to go meditate every single day all the way until that race mm-hmm. because I know I'm going to need every sort of mental yeah, fortitude yeah, yeah. I will. Right, so right. I really appreciate the, the, um, both the poem and the meditation journal because it could have come at a better better awesome. time. So so cool. Very cool. Yeah. So I really really appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, anything else you got going on, or anything else you want to want to promote, or um, website is what's your website? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, you could find like my my talks and whatnot just with with uh, my name and follow me on Instagram. That'd be awesome. And just say hi. And okay. that's uh, my name is spelled a little funny. C A Y C E. H-O-W-E. So that's uh, Instagram at Casey Howe and then CaseyHowe.com. And can we sign up for the meditation retreats on there too? Seems fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the ones in January, they're through Mindful Way, but I'll put a link up on there. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, cool. for sure. Thanks for having me Yeah. again. Always. Hope you come back again. Cool. I love talking Anytime, to you. Anytime, man. Yeah. For sure. Thanks, brother. Thank Appreciate you. It.